Oh, come on. You're the third service. Good morning. morning. There we go. I was telling the first service, you say good morning to them, and they just kind of look at you like they're mad at you. Then the second service, it gets a little better, and it gets better all night. So the 5 o'clock, just going to be yelling and screaming. It's going to be a good time. So, hey, listen, uh, I do want to say, man, it is such an honor to be here this morning. Uh, I love James Griffin. Uh, I do. Man, I love your pastor. Yeah, you love him too? Come on. We're recording this service, so you better clap when we talk about we love him. But uh, no, I, uh, I've spent uh, a lot of time out in your seat uh, just coming to Cross Point City, man, just to learn, to be encouraged, to be inspired. And, and every time, without a doubt, I leave uh, having done those things. Uh, we are planning a church right now in East Cobb, that Woodstock, Marietta, Kennesaw area. If you know anybody that lives out that way, you now know of a great church you would love to tell them about, right? And so uh, I, I'm just trying to learn, man. I'm just trying to uh, train, uh, get coached. Uh, I've been blessed to spend time with a lot of great leaders, a lot of great pastors. And uh, Pastor James, no doubt, is one of those one of those men, uh, you know, Devin's talking about our mission statement, you know, to pursue people, to pursue people. Uh, I'm a little uh, concerned with James trying to steal my mission statement like that. I don't know why he would do that, you know, two years ago before we ever even existed, but uh, I don't know. And so uh, I think I need to send him a check every, every month. You guys will get a copyright or something. So uh, I do love that word, pursue. Uh, last week, uh, I listened to his message online just a few days ago where you guys were talking about that great commandment uh, to love others, to serve others like Jesus loved, like Jesus served. Uh, But what he's asked me to do is bring this week the great commission and what it means to uh, make disciples, what it means to be a disciple-making disciple, the great commission to where the great commandment is about going or about loving, about serving, about helping. The great commission is about finding, about going, about bringing people to Jesus. So uh, we're just going to look today what it means to be a disciple. And I need you to help me out when I ask you to do something. Again, third service, you're pumped, you're ready, you got the coffee, the, 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 the juices blow. Come on. Hey, found people. There we go. Found people. There we go. Found people. That's right. Listen, when we think about the Great Commission, about going and making disciples... When I read that and the story that we're going to look at today, which is a great picture of what it means to be a disciple, about found people, finding people. I think about the Great Commission. I think about found people, finding people, about found people, finding people. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up that app. You can scroll those pages to John chapter 1. That's the story we're going to look at this morning. But before we do that, I never want to assume that uh, anybody here has been raised in church that's got the entire New Testament memorized, that they know about the Great Commission, that they could preach it themselves. I never want to assume that. So I want to read something uh, that, again, might be familiar to a lot of us, but maybe not so much to uh, some of us in the room from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. It'll be on the screens. It says, go. Remember that word, so important. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go make disciples. 
That is the most important thing that we can do as believers, as the church, to go make disciples. Jesus leaves us. He tells us, go make disciples. But it's very easy to ask yourself the question, because again, it gets lost sometimes. What does it mean to be a disciple? Like, what does it mean to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus? Found people, find people. Yeah, that's catchy, that's cute. What does it mean? What's it mean to be a disciple? Like, maybe you think, like, you hear the word disciple, and you automatically go to, like, I almost kind of like, yes, master, I be your disciple. Show me your ways. Like, that's what I think sometimes, right? Like, disciple, what's it mean to be a disciple? Because if we're not careful, uh, and we know this, that words and their meaning change over time. You know, they can get lost. You might hear a pastor, a professor, a teacher change something from its original intent to mean something different. Now, uh, we do this outside of church too, to where we take a word and it might mean differently now than it was originally written to mean. We do that a lot. You know, I'm trying to, like I said, plant this church, learn everything I can. I have an unbelievable team uh, with me. I mean, we're ready to, to reach that community and change the world to make disciples, Uh, I'm spending a lot of time with leaders, with pastors, getting coached, uh, getting my tools sharpened. And I was uh, at a church planning school about a year and a half ago where the whole thing was how to make disciples, how to reach your city, how to change the world, how to make disciples. And this pastor stands up and the average age of the room is probably 60 or 70 years old. I'm by far the youngest in the room and I'm sitting there, man, and I'm taking notes and there's a lot of great stuff, man, this guy's saying. He's giving great insights, man, and just these inspirational moments. Oh, that's good, man, I'm taking notes. And then he gets to this point about making disciples, making disciples, reaching your community. He starts getting passionate and he starts telling this story that he wants to, 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 to tie into making disciples. And he said, it's like this. He said, when I was a young boy, me and my two brothers went and spent every summer with my grandma. He said, here's what would happen. He said, my grandma, we'd get there that first morning. We'd wake up. Man, she's cooking breakfast for us. It's the crack of dawn and we know what's coming. She hands one of my brothers a shovel. She hands my other brother, brother a rake, and she hands me a hoe. And she said, we go out into this garden, man, and she teaches us how to, 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 to maintain that garden, to, to make sure that garden is ready for when the harvest comes. Man, when those crops come, make sure that we are prepared for it. He said, man, that's how we make disciples. That's the same way. He's getting passionate, and he's enthusiastic, and he's raising his voice, and he's saying, some of you need to go plant your church and go find you some shovels and bring them back to your church. Equip them and teach them. You also need to go out and find you some rakes and bring them back to your church and equip them and help them to reach your community. And you need to make sure to go out in your community and get you some hoes. And you get those hoes. And you bring those hoes back to your church and you equip them and you teach those hoes. And I'm sitting there going like, am I like too immature? Am I like the only sixth grader in here? Like... Is there anybody else? Everybody's else like, mm, that's good. That's good. Writing these notes down, I'm going like, man, I don't know if my brother knows exactly what he's saying. Like, that's a great outreach plan, I guess. You know, go get the hose, bring him to church, right? You know, listen. But what he's trying to say is maybe not what I'm hearing. I well, he understood what he was trying to say, but words and their meaning change over time. And if we're not careful, we might say something, use an illustration uh, that would be a great outreach plan, but maybe not what we intended it to mean. Can I tell you something this morning? 
2,000 years ago, when Jesus tells us to go make disciples, what he meant is exactly the same thing he means 2,000 years later for you and I to go make disciples, to follow him, to pursue him, to pursue other people. So again, what's a disciple? What's it mean? Found people, find people. A disciple, what is a disciple? I want to look at this story, John chapter 1, that might help us answer that question uh, more clearly today. John 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 43, says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. There's two statements that Jesus makes in this passage um, that are extremely important that I want to talk about for the next few minutes if I can. Uh, the first statement that Jesus makes is finding Philip. <clears throat> Excuse me, finding Philip. Uh, it did not say that Philip found Jesus. It says that Jesus found him, that Jesus found Philip. That's important to us, and it's important to point out because uh, I've been working in church a long time, man. I've been doing this for 15 years now. I'm starting to get some gray hairs, you know. Some of you guys are giving me gray hairs, you know. So 15 years doing this thing, uh, and I have a beautiful, unbelievable wife on the front row, three gorgeous babies. I have two boys, and I have a month-old baby girl. And she's got me wrapped around her finger already. And I think I said that because I was talking about gray hair. She's about to give me a whole lot more gray hairs, but it's good. It's cool. But listen, in my 15 years of working in the church and working in ministry, talking to people, hanging with people, I have never, ever had this conversation no one's ever come up to me after church. No one's ever emailed me. No one's ever called me, left me a voicemail and said, Stevie, you'll never believe what I found this week. I found me. Uh, what do you remember? I was going to the garage. I was looking for my hammer and there me was sitting on the shelf. And I said, me, I found me. And me said, thank me. And me said, you're welcome, me. And me and me went to Starbucks and me bought me a Starbucks coffee. And me said, man, I appreciate this. And me took me to the movies and me and me sat there. And me and me went home and me and me had a great night. That's never happened ever. No one's ever told me that. And if that's happened to you, there is a good chance you smoke crack, okay? And you need to stop smoking crack, right? It's hard to find people when you're on crack. Listen, nobody has ever found themselves. It is impossible for you to find yourself. You know, I hear all the time, and I'm just trying to find myself. I'm just trying to find myself. That cannot happen. Listen, if we are children of God today, if we are followers of Jesus, if we are disciples, Christians, believers, we are because God first loved us. We loved him because he first loved us. It is his grace and his mercy that he reached down and found us. Now, I do believe we have to accept that free gift of salvation, but it is because of him, because of his grace, that he found us. We did not find him. Look at these two statements. Follow me, or finding Philip in the second one. Follow me. Follow me. Uh, you want to know what a disciple is? Uh, we want to dig in and find out, man, what's the most important aspect of the Great Commission? What's it mean to follow Jesus? What's it mean that found people find people? What's it mean to be a disciple? We are found, but listen, Jesus says, follow me. Anytime you see Jesus, man, he's finding these disciples. Look at Peter, 
who built the church, you know, he tells Peter, hey, listen, come follow me because I want to make you fishers of men, fishers of men. When Jesus says, follow me, listen, it means that we are concerned with what he's concerned about, that we are truly following him. When Jesus points this out, it's important because in his day, Jesus was a rabbi. And I don't want to bore you with this, but I want to just give you some background. In that day, Jesus is a rabbi. And what a rabbi would have is called a Talmud. A Talmud would follow the rabbi around. Rabbi meaning teacher. Listen, this Talmud would literally mimic the teacher mimic the the rabbi, do as the rabbi did. He would learn to talk like him, pray like him, uh, serve people like him, love people like him. So whatever this rabbi did, the goal, the priority, the number one passion that this Talmud had would be to mimic, to copy, to study that rabbi. Listen, us as believers, as Christ followers, our number one goal, our number one priority is to mimic to study, to follow Jesus, to be concerned with what Jesus is concerned about, to be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. And listen, Jesus is concerned about a lot of things. Jesus is passionate about a lot of things. But Jesus' primary concern is people far from God, people far from him. He leaves the 99 to find the one. Jesus is concerned primarily with people far from God. I love your mission statement around here. I know we joked about it earlier, but I love that word pursue. Listen, you guys say to relentlessly pursue those far from God with the hope and the love of Jesus Christ to relentlessly pursue the great commandment, to love, to serve, to help, to be there. The great commission to pursue, to go, to find, to bring them to Jesus. I love it. To pursue those far from God, to go make disciples. There's many aspects of a disciple. Man, knowing God's word, making that practical to our lives, living that out. But I just believe that the, the greatest concern for a disciple is that people who are not yet disciples, who are not yet disciples. We were in Chattanooga for a staff retreat a few months ago, and we're walking around, and we're seeing, uh, you know, the, the huge Tennessee aquarium, and it was incredible, man. And we walk up, and we see this uh, aquarium keeper. You know, we're kind of joking with him, and he's you know, pretending he's going to throw some fish on us. And we go back and forth, and we talk, and he just begins to tell us what he does. His job is to clean the tank, to feed the fish, when one's sick, when one's hurting, he, he takes care of that fish. Listen, that's great. And listen, we need to be aquarium keepers, no doubt, because there are fish. But listen, our primary purpose as disciples is to be fishers of men. If we're cleaning a tank, if we're putting food in a tank that there's no fish in, there's no point. You hear what I'm saying? Our primary concern should be to go find people far from God and bring them to Jesus, to go make disciples. Look at verse 44. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, remember, found people, find people. Jesus found Philip, Philip found Nathanael. It is not an option. Uh, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God. Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. Here's my question for us this morning. Who do you know that needs to be found? 
who do you know that needs to be found? More than likely, like me, somebody just popped in your head. Uh, A friend, a neighbor, a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter that might be uh, astray. Who do you know that needs to be found? And what will you do about it? Because listen, there's only two options. We talk about relentlessly pursuing those far from God. It's not easy, but it's simple. Two options. Either you will choose to pursue them, you with me? Or you will choose not to pursue them. And that is completely 100% up to us. Will we choose them, will we pursue them, or will we not? Luke 10 tells us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the laborers are few. Listen, there are a whole lot of people that need Jesus. A whole lot of people that are far from God and the people that have stepped up and said, I will follow you. God, I will, I will follow you. I will be a found person to find people are very few and far between. And it's up to us to step up and say, we will pursue those far from God. Let's keep reading. Uh, after Philip finds Nathaniel, this is his response. This is funny. Listen, verse 44, 45, I'm sorry. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He's pumped. And listen, 46. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? That's Nathaniel. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Like if I'm Philip, I'm a little ticked at my boy Nathaniel right now, right? Like I've just been found by Jesus Man, my sins are forgiven. I'm following him. I'm ready to roll. Hey, you know what? I'm going to go find my... Nathaniel, guess what, man? I got, he's saved me. He's changed me. I'm going to find you. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Like, I'm smacking Nathaniel right now, right? I'm thinking we're going to have this conversion. Like, Nathaniel's dropping to his knees and begging, you know. He's singing, shout to the Lord. Oh, God, save me. You know, thank you, Philip. And they're hugging, and he's, like, tweeting, and everybody's retweeting. And they Instagram, like, you know, hashtag brothers in Christ. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm thinking's happening. But that's not what happens. Nathaniel, Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? That's okay, that he's a skeptic, he's a doubter. Because listen, in our pursuit to find people far from God, in our pursuit to go make disciples, we will encounter many, many doubters, many, many skeptics. And that's okay. We pursue, we continue, we go on. And most of the time, this hurts to say, the world is filled with many doubters and many skeptics, and it's probably mostly our fault as church people. Come on. Y'all were shaking your head till then, right? Like we can fake it pretty good, right? We can put on a good show. Church people can, right? Like we show up on Sunday, we tuck in our sweater vest and we put the hop to our step. Hey man, it's good. Glory to God. It's going to be a good day, right? Woman, hold my, hold my freaking hand. Woman, go, hey, it's good to see you, man. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. That's right. Hey, listen, it's good. We're raising our hands. We get back in the car. We're throwing our kids across the van like, shut up, man crazy kids smoking crayons in the nursery. What's wrong with you? Listen. So we fake it real good, right? It reminds me like we go to the pool in the summertime, right? Like we get ready. We, we throw out our towel and we got our suntan lotion and, and, and we're, we're putting out the Cokes and the Diet Cokes for Jeremy and we're getting ready, you know, and we're getting ready. And then we have this moment. Guys, help me out. It's like, oh, dang. And our wife's like, what did you forget? And you're like, oh, I forgot to work out. She's like, when? Uh, like the last eight months. 
You know, so we do that thing. Come on, guys, help me out. We do like the, the breath. Here we go. It's like we just worked out the 30 second workout. Listen, we will not breathe for four hours, but you will not see our jelly rolls. You won't see our gut hanging because we will suck it in. That's what we do at church. That's why there's so many doubters, so many skeptics. I think that's why it's so important that we get in community, that we get in a small group. Because here's what happens in a small group. When we stop faking it and we have this authentic, real, genuine community and we talk about how we're all messed up, here's what happens. We walk into a small group, group of guys, we're hanging out, a couple. (gasps) Man, I'm messed up. Man, sometimes I can't stand my kids. My wife and I, man, we haven't talked in two weeks. And here's what happens. It's a beautiful thing. Brother man across the hall goes, man, my marriage sucks, man. Help me out. So we start going back and forth. And then this guy, right? It's being authentic, being real, letting go of all that fake and saying, man, I got problems. You got problems. Why don't we pick these pieces up together? Why don't we do this life together? Maybe that's why an unbelieving world is full of doubters, full of skeptics, because, man, we've got a whole lot of church people that stand up and, oh, me and my wife have not fought in the last 14 years. Never raised my voice to my children. I would never. And uh, we pray for four and a half hours in the morning. We read the entire book of Matthew, and my kids go lay hands on the other kids, and it's just a great night. And people are going like, what? You are a freak. You're not even normal, bro. It's where we get real and say, man, we are all messed up. Listen, we don't have it all together. We don't have all the answers. We're about to see what Philip did. Listen, he don't have all the answers, but we have found the one who has the answers. And check this out. This is what happens. I love this. There'll be doubters, skeptics, but I love Philip's approach. I love it. To pursue others. Listen to this. He could have gotten angry disappointed, discouraged, depressed, given up. But here's what he does. Uh, 46 again. It says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. And listen to what Philip says. Come and see. Come and see. Dude, I don't have all the answers. You know, it'd have been easy for Philip, uh, you know, make something up on the... Uh, He just says, come and see. Bro, I don't have all the answers. This is as real as it gets. No faking on this guy. He just says, "Uh, uh, I don't know. Come and see. Listen, if sometimes we would just say, I don't have all the answers. If we would live a life of just authentic, just being real, being honest with people, letting them know, hey, listen, no doubt, I show up to Cross Point City every weekend. I've given my life to Christ. I'm serving there, but you know what? I still have problems. I still have issues. I still going through the same crap you're going through, but I have found an answer. Listen, come and see. Yo, bro, me and my wife, we didn't talk for weeks. Date? I didn't even know what a date was. We didn't even want to talk to each other. But you know what? Jesus changed me. We started falling more in love with him every single day. Then we fell more in love with each other. Come and see what he can do for you. Hey, man, I was depressed. I want to throw in the towel. I wanted to give up. Come and see what Jesus can do. No hope. I was addicted. Come and see Jesus. Listen, we can't change anybody. No church can change anybody. Only Jesus can change people. 
We pursue them. We find them. But our job is to bring them to Jesus. Tell them about the one who can save them. It's an unbelievable strategy. Come and see. And maybe that's the first step for us. You don't walk out of here today. I don't walk out of here today with a PhD in discipleship. And we know every step, how to do it, when to do it. Maybe our first step is just to engage that neighbor, engage that person we work with, engage that family member, and just say, man, come and see. Come and see what Jesus can do for you, how he can change your life. And they've watched you, because preaching the gospel is very much more about standing on a stage, very less than standing on a stage, but living out what you believe. When the going gets tough, they're watching you, they're watching me. How will you respond? Come and see what Jesus can do. And here's what happens when they come and see. Verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Look at this, he's a skeptic again. This is Nathanael talking to Jesus, remember? How do you know me? This is Nathanael asking Jesus. I wanna do a series one day on like stupid questions we ask God. You know, you got the created asking the creator, how do you know me? I can see Jesus like smirking like, I made you fool, you know? How do you know me? Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Translation, I know everything about you. I know the good, the bad, the ugly. I know every sin, every secret, every shame, every mistake, everything that no one else knows. Listen, I know about it, but I'm still asking you to follow me. I'm still asking you to come. That's unbelievable. That might be a word for somebody here this morning. You're thinking, man, there's no way I can come to God. There's no way I can clean myself up and then make it to God. Listen, that's not the gospel. The gospel is not about you cleaning yourself up and making your way to Jesus. The gospel is God said, there's no way you can get to me. So I'm sending my son, Jesus, for you to show you grace, to show you mercy. Jesus says, I know everything about you but I still want you to follow me. I still want you to wear my name, to represent me. That's crazy. That's grace. That's mercy. That's love. That's the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. 49, then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Once again, it's like Nathanael is bipolar or something, right? Like Nazareth, Can anything good come from there? How do you know me? Jesus, you are the son of God, the king of the earth. Thank you, Jesus. How does that happen? Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can take a skeptic, a doubter, the unsure, the far from God who's been running for so long. Only Jesus in a moment, in an instant can change their heart. Again, we can't change them. You can't change them. I love Pastor James. He's one of my favorite preachers on planet earth. He can't change them. Only Jesus can change someone's heart. Only Jesus can change their life forever and truly let them follow him. Found people, find people. We find those people. We pursue those people. Say, man, come and see. And Jesus changes them. Only he can do that. It's our job to get them there, to pursue them. Let Jesus change him. And then finally, this is the result of found people finding people. 
This is the result. Verse 50. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What an unbelievable moment where Nathaniel finally sees. He finally understands. He finally following Jesus. And Jesus says, man, you have not seen anything yet. Just get ready. Put your seatbelt on, man. It's going to be insane. I like to use my imagination. Uh, Sometimes it gets the best of me. That's my wife. But for the most part, I have fun with it. Let's use our imaginations just for a couple of minutes and we're out of here. You read this story of, of Jesus finding Philip, Philip finding Nathaniel, bringing him. He experiences this. Jesus looks at him and says, get ready, bro. Get ready for the ride of your life. I mean, you have not seen anything yet. You will see greater things than these. I like to imagine maybe a few years went by and Nathaniel and Philip, man, they've been following Jesus. They've been walking with Jesus. Man, they've seen unbelievable things. They've seen him uh, heal the blind so they can see. They've seen him turn water into wine. They've seen him uh, walk on water. They've seen him heal the sick, feed the 5,000. And man, they're awestruck. Go, man, this is worth it. This is crazy. And can you imagine them sitting around a dinner table, a campfire? Jesus is gone. You know, they're reminiscing. Hey, remember when Jesus died? Man, that sucked. Remember that? Yeah. But remember three days later, bro, that was awesome. You remember that? Man, unbelievable. And they're talking about how they experienced life with Jesus, life with Christ, pursuing him, following him. And can you imagine this? After talking about all they've experienced with Jesus, following him, walking with him, they've seen Pentecost happen. One of their boys, Peter, who was just crazy and out there and God used him. That's a story in itself. They're talking about everybody that they see following Jesus now. All the salvations, all the transformations. And can you imagine Nathaniel maybe finding Philip after dinner, after everybody's kind of packed up and just said, man, if I never have, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for finding me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you that when I doubted, when I was a skeptic, thank you that that when I didn't want to hear it, you continued to pray for me, to be real with me. You didn't have all the answers, but thank you for finding me and bringing me to Jesus because, man, this is unbelievable. My life has changed forever. I asked you earlier who you knew that needed to be found. Imagine having that conversation that Philip and Nathaniel just had that we painted that picture in heaven one day with those people. The people that, man, it would have been easy to give up on. And again, we can think of them right now. They're in our mind. The people that we know need God that we almost want to to give up on, to throw in the towel on and say, man, they're never going to accept Christ. I think about my uncle. We prayed for him for 26 years. Yes, 26 years that God would save him. Man, a callous, mean, selfish dude. And 26 years of prayer, about seven years ago, he received Christ. And man, he is generous. 
He's bringing other people. He owns a few businesses, bringing them and their experience in Christ. Don't give up. Pursue, pursue, pursue. I would say better, relentlessly pursue. Don't stop. Because it's not easy, but it's worth it. And only Jesus can change them. But it's our job, the Great Commission, to make disciples, to find people. Let's bow our heads together.